0: Hey everybody, this is Tyson. And Logan. And you're listening to Dad, Bods & Beards Podcast. It's a show that gives you a fresh look on being a father, a husband, and honestly a man being in today's world. For people who want
1: to have a good time, laugh, and be uplifted, thanks for subscribing and listening. Now for the show.
0: This is kind of a special uh, podcast to us, and um, it's something that Logan has been kind of you know leading up to and was talking to he has bipolar um yeah. and kind of what's been going on in his life and and uh, all that kind of stuff so i kind of want to just leave it up in the air and just kind of let you describe it and then we can kind of move on from there so sure floor uh, is yours logan
1: Well, so yeah, so I've, we've kind of, I guess we've kind of alluded to this, right? Like I've, we've mentioned different mental health topics and I've mentioned little tidbits of my story, so to speak. And we've even said like, oh, we should probably have a whole episode where we talk about just the long journey of me, like from before I knew to like finding out, accepting, and then like the constant working battle that it is, right? So I think first and foremost, like, I don't want to portray in the slightest that it's like, we're a hundred percent because mental health is a daily battle task, like Absolutely. something you got to work on something like you have got to constantly be aware of because it's not something that goes away. Right. Mm-hmm. You can manage it better. You can get, see professionals, but you know, we all know somebody in our life that can ebb and flow with different, and it, they all have different severities. Right. So for me, like, for the sake of not going back to like, well, in 1989, when Logan was born, like, (laughs) like, I I mean, you and I, I mean, and most of the people who listen to this, we grew up in an era where it was like, hey, I like your hat.
0: I know. I'm trying. It's like, like, for some reason, it's like lopsided, man.
1: We both grew up in the same, we both, we've got the same hat on, but, but like, we grew up in an era where it was like no one really talked about it right or it was it was starting to be more talked about right obviously our parents and our grandparents it was like you didn't talk about depression you didn't talk about anxiety you sucked it up you whatever um and it was like ADHD and things like that were becoming more prevalent so for me as a 33 year old man going to be 34 here in a couple of months i i was diagnosed with ADHD early on Um, I'd say right after I got married and obviously knew, I think I knew for a long time I was because they did like the tests in middle school and high school and it was kind of becoming more of a thing, Mm -hmm. but I never got like medicated or like officially diagnosed with it until my twenties. And I got start, they started putting me on the really hard ADD meds. Like I was on Ritalin, I was on another one and then I ended up eventually ended up settling on Adderall and I'm not going to get too much into my opinion about Adderall, but Adderall messed up my life really bad because Adderall is also probably one of the worst medications you can be on like medications, not drugs because essentially it's, it's amphetamine salt. It's medical, it's medical grade meth, right? I was on that in very, very, very high doses because my doctors just kept throwing it at me because it wasn't working. Turns out they weren't aware that I was also bipolar. And I Mm -hmm. wasn't aware that I was also bipolar. Obviously that's fast forwarding through years of being on Adderall. And I didn't find out that I was bipolar until 2017. So I had been on Adderall for almost five years, like very high doses. And that, so I'll get more into kind of that backstory of how that five years really, really shook me and my wife and our family, um, But that's why I'm kind of a big proponent of like figuring out what is going on in your personal life, because you might think that you have the answer to something, but if something still feels off, you may not realize that there's more to the story. I thought I was just ADHD. Turns out I was ADHD and also severely, you know, severely struggling from bipolar disorder. And then the Adderall was making it like that much more heightened because bipolar, unfortunately, it can, it can range from just being depressed and super anxious to full on hallucin- hallucinating and yeah. and which I did. Um I I and that the Adderall kind of played into that. Like I was seeing things, hearing things, and I'll I'll kind of get more of those. But um I mean it's 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 weird to be sitting here so many years later and talking about this because it still hurts. Like it's still I still feel the feelings. You know what I mean? I still remember how I felt. I still remember feeling so low. And so like I was, I, I actually haven't said this word very much outside of like my inner circle, but like feeling suicidal and like thinking that was the answer or thinking about running away. So I know I've kind of teased all these different things. So kind of going back when I, when I first got married in, in 2013, you know, when you move in with somebody and you start living together, aside from your regular family that grew up with you and they, everyone would just thought that I was just crazy, goofy, you know, happy go lucky Logan, mm-hmm. that in- intimacy of being, being married and living with someone every day and caring for someone on that level. My wife was noticing that I was off on this aspect or like, you know, she noticed this new side of me that she didn't know before we lived together and and so on and so forth. So she kind of prompted me to go get, Get officially tested as an adult and see kind of what was coming back, and that came back as ADHD. So that's when I got put on Adderall, um, or on Ritalin first, and then moved my way up to Adderall. We thought that was the answer. I was super focused. I felt I'm like, man, we talked about this, like the movie yeah. Limitless, Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Uh huh. I I felt like I found this miracle drug, and I'm like, oh my gosh, is this how everybody thinks? Because this is not fair. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I have a superpower. Like I remember honestly thinking like. I can slow down and and think through my thoughts. I don't have to mm-hmm. just impulsively act on everything. And it was this new these new drugs introduced into my system that I'd never had before. And I was like, oh my gosh, where has this been for the last 23 years of my life? And it was great for a long time. But then they don't last as long. Man, you build up a tolerance. I have a high tolerance. Like I can't even take... I don't get a buzz from pain meds. Like when I've had knee surgery and things like that, like they, they really don't work much for me. So I built up a tolerance to these ADHD drugs. And then they started putting me on Adderall because Adderall is a little bit more intense. And then they started putting me on more and more and more dosage. Meanwhile, my wife and I were progressing. You know, we've moved back to California. We've had our first baby. And now we are fast forwarding, I'd say, to when, when everything was really hitting the fan was was twenty seventeen um, mind you for years i had been secretly battling and keeping a very good mask people did not know that i was i was very very depressed very very self deprecating and not in a funny way like very self defeating um, and out of out of privacy and respect for my wife, I'm not going to share all the details of everything that I, that what it's like being married to somebody with a severe mental illness, let alone somebody who doesn't know that they have one. Uh Uh-huh. It makes, it it can ruin your whole reputation. It can make you seem like you are the most irresponsible, anger driven, narcissistic person. Like it, I mean, it can, it can, it can destroy families because you're, stuck in your own head. Like, I just remember thinking all I have to do. I, I, I I just need to feel better. How do I feel better? No one can know that I'm struggling because you're living in a world where I'm like, I'm a husband. I am now a father. I have to provide. And, and I was not even able to do that. Like I had to, I don't know if you've ever been in a position where like you've had to go to friends or family for like, Hey, this happened at work or this, you know, like, Hey, this came up, the car broke down. I need some extra money.
0: Yeah. I've been there before.
1: I I was at a point where I was relying on pretty significant regular financial help from some people in my life because I wasn't cutting it. I was in a sales industry making basically no sales because I was so mentally gone. Mm. I remember I would go, I worked with my dad for two years and I was so good at putting on a mask that I was fine. He had no idea. I worked two desks down from my dad. Oh, wow. And every day at lunch, I would go sit in my car in the parking lot and I would just sob and I'm not, I mean, just like ugly cry and I would eat my feelings. That's where I started becoming very, very overweight, very unhealthy because I was just the rush of, you know, eating McDonald's or something like that. And so I be that's where I developed like my food addiction. And so like you can see here like all of the different like just the domino effect. Like it's like you pulled the wrong brick on Jenga and just I'm just constantly trying to rebuild the Jenga Tower. But they're just Do you think falling
0: your wife off. could could she tell that something was wrong?
1: Oh yeah, she could, but I but she was she's now a mother
0: yeah. Hanging on for dear life.
1: Okay. Because the guy that she thought she married turned out to be very unstable and she had no way of knowing that. I didn't know that. Um, there was a lot of things that I think that I could have done better to set myself up or set us out, uh, up or even maybe members of my family would have, you know, if they had noticed certain things earlier on or recognized certain things earlier on, I could have gotten help earlier.
0: Can I ask what those things are? Not not just for people who might be suffering and and not realizing it, you know, like they're depressed, they have anxiety, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So first, if you can, you know, just let everyone know, like, what are the warning signs?
1: So specifically, I'd say for like bipolar, right? Because so like depression and anxiety and things like that, they they kind of float amongst a lot of different mental health issues, right? They can be Uh kind of subcategories or they can be the main thing one thing that bipolar individuals have a problem with so there's basically there's bipolar one and there's bipolar two and one is more depressive and one is more manic like like crazy off your rocker yeah and that's Um, kind of the one
0: that i know about
1: yeah so like there's like the there's a stereotypical joke of like oh i'm just being a little bipolar right now like basically like i'm being a little crazy a little off my rocker a little whatever so i was diagnosed as the more manic bipolar in the beginning because i was unable to focus on anything other than trying to like, like on myself, it's very narcissistic. Mm -hmm. So like it erodes your interpersonal relationships. Like I was very, I was very cold and, and mean at times to my wife, I was unintentionally financially abusive because I would not make enough money to provide for my family, let alone being bringing children into the world. And so I wouldn't involve her in finances because I was, you know, borrowing money from so-and-so to just pay the rent. And then when to pay the rent, that would, you know, that wasn't be enough. And then we had the car payment, the car payment would be three months behind. Thankfully in the grand scheme of things and on the spectrum of like some other bipolar stories out there, like I was actually very mild at times because there are people that have blown their entire life savings. And then they bipolar individuals have a very addictive they, they, get in, they get very heavy into drugs, very heavy into alcohol, very heavy into sex addiction. all I mean, you name it, because you're chasing something to make you feel better, because you would just feel so dark. And then one of the biggest struggles that I had was that I was hallucinating. And because I grew up in a very religious household, I was hallucinating that there was a very specific demon following me. And I would see him and he would talk to me in my head. He would show up at the foot of my bed and I could never see his face specifically, but it's like, I knew what he looked like. I knew what he sounded like. He would tell me the worst things about myself because it was myself. My one thing that I learned with bipolar is that the human brain is capable of so much. It's, it's scary.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and that was, that was the signs where like my wife was like, it hit a point where this is, this is maybe kind of one of the darkest one, of one of the two darkest parts I'll share is that there was a night where my wife and I, it would send me to tailspins
0: when we would have arguments because and then, don't share but, what, I mean, don't feel like you need to no, share. no
1: I, I'm, I'm not, I, I, when I would get into arguments, I would get kind of, I have, I get this thing called amygdala hijack. So your amygdala is your fight or flight sensor or like your center. Right. Mm-hmm. Mine kind of gets hijacked. And I'm working, I'm still working with a psych to this day and I've got on a really good treatment plan that's actually helped quite a bit. But at the time I would get stuck in the, like, I'm not letting go times 10. Like we've all been in those arguments where you're like, you can't calm down. You're not letting go of it. Whether it's with a spouse, a partner, a sibling, a friend, whatever. And I would just steamroll and steamroll. And my wife, Tyson, you've met her. She's an absolute sweetheart. sweetheart. I say this a million times over if you have a problem with my wife, you are n- more than likely the problem because she is absolutely the sweetest person in the world. And she married somebody who was just completely unhinged at the time. And I, and she had no idea of knowing, so that's mm-hmm. not any anything negative towards her. So I, but once I would kind of come down a little bit out of these arguments, I would start feeling like, I'm a piece of garbage. I am treating this wonderful woman like crap. Da, 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 da. And then I would just get lower and lower and lower and lower. And then it would be like almost like DID, which is like um like the split personality. Um, where like I would have these possession moments. Cause it's like growing up in a very religious household at the time. I believed in, you know, very intense heaven and hell type aspects or like angels and demons. So I, they they were a very real thing to me at the time. So I being very religious felt like I was being possessed by this demon that like, I won't share the details of like, like, dude, I like to this day, I can still hear his voice in my head, even though I know he's not real. I remember his name. I remember what he looks like. And I remember like just the feel like the presence. Right. Mm -hmm. And I felt possessed at this time, which was a full manic, full blown manic episode right? Um, We've seen, you've seen people homeless, um, people that are, you know, very, very far off their rocker or gone. um, And they're just, they seem like they're stuck in their own little world. Sometimes that's a very severe mental health issue. And I was kind of in that moment in my little life that nobody would have known. Like I was very good at hiding this stuff, but that night I was pounding my head on the front door screaming, get out of my head and my wife was like Logan what's wrong and i turned around in a very scary voice told her logan's not here and that was a very very dark time i mean it terrified oh, my yeah. wife she she was she was pregnant with our second son so you can imagine the stress that that put on her like she was in the third i'm pretty sure she was um, in her second trimester so very dangerous stress levels for my pregnant wife at the time and that that triggered the okay there is something seriously wrong. You're going to go see a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. So that was just years of, you know, me stretching the truth and lying and things like that because there were time periods that I didn't remember because I would block them out out of like self-preservation because it was too much to handle that. I didn't know what was going, going on in my life you know i didn't know what was going on like i was like why is my brain so broken i don't i don't i don't i don't smoke i don't drink i don't do hard drugs like i don't do anything to like hurt my brain why is it broken
0: to warn and what then, you're feeling
1: yeah and so then that would lead me to like i am destroying my wife's life and she does not deserve this i have a beautiful little girl and a son on the way i have life insurance they'll be better off without me i could just disappear I I could I could take off, dude. I I wrote I had letters and I only recently in the last year or so destroyed them. Like I kept them oh, and I would wow. I would reread them to myself, like my final letters to my wife. Dang,
0: just recently.
1: Yeah, within the last year, and that's the kind of stuff that still gets to me. Is like reading, reading younger Logan's words and thinking that life wasn't worth living. And like thinking that there was a a moment in my life where leaving my children without their father was like the best idea I had at the time to better better their life, that I felt that I was such a detriment in the lives of my wife and my children and other people that I had been a burden on that had helped me, that it was best if I just didn't exist anymore. And I can promise you... And anybody that has ever felt that that's that's never the answer because the hole you will leave in the lives of the people that need you and care for you is far greater pain than what you're feeling. And so I think seeing like I can still see my wife's face in that moment, her, Mm -hmm. her like sitting on the floor, holding her stomach because she was pregnant, screaming because I was full manic episode, um, that was something i kind of held on to when it was time for treatment and so some some family members and my wife and and kind of banded around of it wasn't like an intervention moment it was a you know my brother who i work with um he i was living in california at the time he was living in utah and he basically called me and said you're sick it's okay to be sick he said i made you a Sorry. He said, I made you a psych appointment. Dad's going to take you. You're either going to go or I'm going to fly out there and I'm going to drag you there myself. But thankfully, he didn't have to do that. But it wasn't over at that point. That wasn't like, okay, we're great. Let's go get this fixed. So that night, we felt it was best for me to go stay at my parents um so that i my dad could my kind of i don't know let my wife process um so that i go stay at my parents and wake up and kind of like be under my dad's kind of care at the time and take me to my psych appointment um well that night i think with everything going on and the realization of like where i was at what was going i'm 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 Laying in my old bedroom at my parents' house in a twin bed by myself as a, you know, a man who's supposed to be at home with his pregnant wife and his daughter taking care of, I'm supposed to be the guy taking care of everything, but I'm the one broken. I, I snapped and I blacked out and my phone had died and I woke up three miles away from where I was supposed to be in the middle of the night. I had ran down a two lane road where there's no lights and I ended up in a pharmacy parking lot and I had no idea where I was at the time. Um, I think subconsciously at this point, I think I was trying to go home, but I don't remember leaving my parents. I don't remember running down that road. I ran three miles um, at the time or walked three miles an hour and a half. I don't know exactly how long I got. It took me to get there, but it I got there and thankfully there was a guy there in the parking lot. Everything was closed. He let me use his phone. I called my wife and she was ecstatic or not ecstatic, erratic. I don't, I can't even think of the word. Are you still on Adderall at this time? No, 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 no. That was like, I'll, I'll get, I'll, my my psych was like get off the Adderall. So okay. <laughs> I'll get No, to no, that. not and, are
0: you on it currently. I mean at this time when you're running and you're blacked out. Oh yeah yeah like yeah pharmacy, are you still on Adderall?
1: Yes. Yeah hundred percent. Okay. Because I'm thinking this thing is I'm thinking this stuff is helping me. Right. Yeah. Mind you, during this whole time period months leading up to this, like I did not I was not a sleeper. I mean I would sleep maybe eight to twelve hours a week. Like I Mm. was a couple hours a night up for a couple of days. Like I had a night job. I like founded like a night gig to keep me busy, but I woke up in this, this pharmacy parking lot and come to find out my parents are out looking for me. Um, so are the local police. My parents show up. Um, it's a whole, it was a whole fiasco. I'm like, I'm like frantic, like in shock. Don't know where I am. Um, and the local police show up and they start trying to talk to me. Obviously they're very much more equipped to handle situations like this. I was not, I was not dangerous to anyone. They were more worried about that. I was dangerous to myself. I was just kind of panicked of like, where am I? What's going on? Like mom just let me in the car. I just want to go home. And like the police were telling, you know, like, Hey, let's step away from mom's car. And then dad shows up and just, and I'm on the phone with my wife and she's crying, almost yelling rightfully so like stop acting like this is okay stop acting like you can just go home stop acting like this is not a major problem and um it finally got to the point where and i still i still keep her card in my wallet um the uh police officer who was able to bring me down she's a sweetheart Her name is officer Katie Cooley.
0: Sorry. No, don't be sorry. And she.
1: I think she was whatever you believe in. She was the person in that moment, even though I had, you know, I had people in my life that were my people. You know, Mm -hmm. she was the person in that moment that was equipped to get me voluntarily to take a ride with her down to the emergency room and she she talked to me the whole way there it's the only time i've ever (laughs) it's the only time i've ever been in the back of a police car but it was (laughs) completely voluntary (laughs) and she charged my phone and she bore me so that i could you know have my phone while i was in the emergency room and she just said why don't you come with me if i bring you in you know, voluntarily, I can get you into the back door of the emergency room and we can get you straight into a room privately. No one has to see anything. And, and if I bring you in, it will be an emergency care situation. She's like, it will be the best thing for you. So she just calmed me down, was able to break through to me and I was, I I would be interested to see like, you know, kind of maybe if she still has like her dash cam or whatever that conversation was, because I remember her, I was so doom and gloom. Like I thought it was over. Um, I was still probably talking to her very suicidal and she didn't, uh, she didn't stop. Like she didn't just drop me off and leave. She stayed in that room with me for a long time. And she they gave me her card and she said, I want you to call me in five years. She's like, because I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to be fine. So five years was actually last October and I reached out to her an email. So we've actually, we email back and forth now. So that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I, I owe her part of my life for sure because she, uh, she, she, She was part of the she was part of the group that saved me Um, because I think had she not taken me there, I don't know what I don't know where I would have kind of ended up that night. Um, But I stayed in the emergency room for a few hours, kind of got stable, was able to go home. And then the next morning, my both my mom and my dad took me to a psych office. Um, And that was a whole. Another experience. I was so traumatically spent at that point, not sleeping, all that stuff. I couldn't even remember my filling out the paperwork. My, I think my mom and dad had to do it because I couldn't remember my birthday. I couldn't remember how old I was. Like, I just was so like spent and sitting down with the psych and she was amazing. She just within like 15 minutes, she was like, you are bipolar. And she's like, well, you may have tendencies of ADHD. And then as soon as she found out I was on Adderall, she's like, you need to be off of that yesterday.
0: You're
1: mm-hmm. um, she said, "How?" you know, she instantly started, you know, appropriately grilling me. How many pills do you have left? And I said, I think I have four. She's like, hey, you have four to wean yourself off. She's like, you can break those up or whatever. And she's like, it's going to be a hell of a time. She's like, because you're taking medical grade meth. She's like, you're in the, and the dosage that I was on was really heavy. Mm hmm. Um, and I became addicted to it without knowing that I was addicted to it because um, it's an upper. It keeps you awake, keeps you pumping, keeps you focused or whatever. But it can also be – it's it's one of the worst drugs for somebody who deals with bipolar because it can pretty much become a hallucinogenic. So wow. the, the Adderall is what was making me manic. The Adderall was like, was like supercharging my manic episodes. So she said that getting off of the Adderall will be one of the first steps that I had to – that I had to do. And uh, I, I, I don't remotely act like I understand what somebody who's had an addiction battle, Mm -hmm. but I will tell you that that was the rough, one of the roughest weeks of my life getting off of Adderall. I felt like somebody was driving a stake through my head. Um, The most pain, like the most eye piercing migraines and like shakes and sweats and like, I couldn't sleep. And like, I, I get like jittery thinking about it. Like I'm kind of shaking
0: right now. And were so you I, uh, kind of, home at this time or were you Yeah, in a, like in a, no, I, 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 that's what I'm
1: saying. I think I'm, I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for the fact that I wasn't so far gone that, that I mm-hmm. needed to be admitted. Like I could have voluntarily. And I think she was giving me the option to, Pursue things on my own um, with with help before that was like strongly suggested or even involuntarily suggested. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to get off of it. And the, one of the first things that she did was prescribe me a very heavy sleeping medication. Because she's like, you have got to sleep. She's like, with bipolar, if you don't sleep, she's like, That's it's working. already hard for for people who don't struggle with this when they don't sleep, she's like, you've got to. So, I mean, I was like taking pills and going straight to sleep. And so Mm -hmm. I think I slept the hardest I had ever slept, but at the same time, also like fighting this wean off battle and anybody who knows site, um, you know, mental health meds knows that it's, there's very few that are like instant changes. Adderall is like an instant, like an instant release type one. Right. Um, but anything that's for like depression, anxiety, bipolar, um, you know, things that are personality disorders, mood disorders, they take time. They can take weeks, yeah, they three can take or months. four weeks. Yeah. And then, and then you can be like, Oh, not the right one. So I mean, I think mm-hmm. I went through months of medication changes trying, you know, oh man, uh, Lamictal, you know, bupropion, they all have these crazy names. Right. And then, uh, lithium, uh, all kinds of stuff. Basically what this has all boiled down to is that is it's, I used to listen to this podcast and the guys on there said that mental health is And I've said this before, mental health is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm very grateful for the fact that I was able to be at a point where I was able to see that I was at a turning point of, I was gonna be this very, very, very long road, which I am 100% still on. Like I am not like, Hey, everything's perfect but I am in a hell of a lot better space than I was that it's a constant battle. I mean, you know that like it's, it's, we all go through seasonal up and downs and some people struggle with stuff. I know you've, you know, you've shared some of your stuff here and there, but it's, it's, it it is black and white in the sense of either you're going to fight it and you're going to battle it either for yourself or the people in your life, or you're going to just give into it and let it kind of take control of your whole life. So I'm, this is so cliche and I hate saying it part of me is grateful for all the struggles that I went through. But then part of me is very, very angry still about it because it affected my wife so much. And one statistic I want to share that, that really, really, really hit me hard and kind of really drove my battle Mm -hmm. was that over 95, I can't remember exactly if it's 95 or 97% of bipolar marriages end in divorce because the other spouse has to start focusing on their own mental health because it is so taxing. Like it is, it is literally like a PTSD moment. Like my wife had to start going to like stress tests while she was pregnant because of everything she, I was putting her through. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of like the snapshot of like what got me to like being diagnosed bipolar, but then there's the whole aspect of, have you ever heard of cognitive behavioral therapy?
0: Uh, yes. Is is it, that's where they move their hands really fast back and forth.
1: No, that's, what's that one. I know some people who've done that one.
0: Uh, well, Um, my therapist did that with me, but I swear that was, but, um, no, but I think explain what it is.
1: So I think therapy in general, if you have any type of therapy you're going to, I think is great. Mm -hmm. i think the times of guys beating down other guys for going to therapy is is and should be over and i think it's yeah i don't don't think it's a thing anymore no because i i view it more as a sign of strength for somebody who is so self-aware that they can go and talk to someone about like the inner battles that they're fighting because there's so much going on that we don't need to we don't need to freaking sack up (laughs) like that like Go get your stuff figured out. I promise your life will be so much better. Like, I'm living proof of it. But, like, it's kind of like a when you go
0: to the doctor because you have a cold or something, come to find out I have pneumonia, you could have died if you just, if you just would have went a couple days before, you would have been yeah. fine.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I, it's, I know, it's I know, okay I like, take care of yourself. Well, and, and at the same time, like, I know, like, you know, there's all of like the big pharma and the health industry and yeah, like that can really, you know, people can have their opinions there and that can turn you off. I get it. Absolutely. But for me, a big game changer for me was, was, cognitive behavioral therapy. So I started getting on regular visits with my psychiatrist. And so I would say, before I kind of get into the cognitive behavioral stuff, family doctors are great. General practitioners are great. They are experts. They are doctors. They have degrees. They they know their stuff. But when it comes to your brain, I 100% would suggest if it is a serious situation, need to see a psychiatrist because a psychiatrist is a brain expert. Like, like the way your brain fires, your neurons, your thought process, the chemical balances. It's kind of like there's your general mechanic. And then there's the guy that just rebuilds motors. You know what I mean? Like there's the guy that can fix your whole car. And then there's the guy that like, yeah, I can do this, but I specifically love rebuilding motors. And I, they're like a savant. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's their specialty. So my psychiatrist who is very well versed in, in bipolar, she was almost like a bipolar specialist. So I was really grateful to get in to see her. She's like, you need to do cognitive behavioral therapy and what cognitive be- or yeah CB, CBT, what it is, is it, it helps you literally break down like the layers to find out why you are the way that you are, how you tick. Because unfortunately medication doesn't change habit. Medication doesn't change your personality. Medication doesn't solve every single issue. It just balances you and pretty much keeps you from being suicidal. Okay. Right. right?
0: Mm-hmm. Medication
1: is not the sole thing you've there. You've got to like, and I, when I say this, like I, I don't try to, I'm not trying to come off like an expert. Like I hope, I don't know if it comes off. No,
0: you're, you're, you're talking like you've gone through something uh, severe in your life and you're talking about it.
1: Oh, okay. Well, good. Cause I, I don't want to ever come off of like, Hey, like I'm an expert in this now. It's like, no, I'm just somebody I've, I, I I've gone through it and I've seen people battle it. And some people who, who refuse to, who just kind of like want to raw dog it and like, Oh, I don't take medication. Um, which that's your choice for me. So I will, I kind of, I will
0: add this though, just to, because I, I don't mean to interrupt, yeah. but I have a loved one and I'm not going to say who it is. Uh, was married. Yeah. Um, after about 20 plus years, they got a divorce. And about six months later, found out that he had um, bipolar. And and yeah. so what you're talking about is, is so relevant to everyone out there that, you know, if, that's why I asked you, what are the precursors? What what are things people should look out for? Because you are absolutely right that it, usually bipolar does end in divorce. And half the time, I swear, they don't even know until at, 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 when it's over. So you've been very blessed and and uh, I want you to keep continuing but I just want to know that you're a huge inspiration to me and uh everyone that's listening and I'm grateful for you so keep going.
1: Well thanks man. No I appreciate that. I I mean kind of to maybe even re- reiterate this of like m- the major signs of bipolar for me looking back that I would I, if I could put my 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 thumb on it was like like your you you almost have narcissistic tendencies because you are so focused on trying to appear as though everything is fine, but you are making very, very bad in like even, you know, a f- abusive financial decisions. Um, you start having some very addictive personalities, hallucin, it, you know, hallucinating, you know, or seeing things that aren't there, hearing things that aren't there, um, major depression, like, like dangerous depression and just like falling down the rabbit hole, anxiety, like panic Mm -hmm. attacks, can't breathe, like just very, very severe. Like something is wrong. And then I think kind of the cocktail of those things happening together. But the thing is, is like I said, you may not have bipolar. You may just have, I mean, just anxiety or just, or just depression or both or personality disorder or, you know, or, like I said, I mean, there's people who have such traumatic lives that they literally create split personalities. It's a real thing. Like it's not just something in movies. It's so I kind of use my hyper fixation because that's one thing that also comes with bipolar and sometimes is commonly misdiagnosed as just ADHD because you become hyper focused. Right. So like here's, here's like the, the spectrum that most people are on with, like with their, their mental health. Like here's that here, here's, here's your highs and here, Here's your lows. Most people that don't struggle with any kind of mental health, they operate kind of like a mid range pendulum swing, right? Yeah. If you're bipolar, you got the whole, you can span the whole spectrum and Within it can seconds. switch. So I would get, well, and, and for me, I would get rapid cycling. I could be super, super high on a feeling thinking it was going to be this and, this and this and this, and this, and then I'm not kidding. An hour later, like suicidal. And it was hmm. dangerous. And I got very, very good at hiding it. I got very, very good at putting on a mask to the point that I remember my dad. He went to the psychiatrist with me. He sat in the office with me. Um, my mom stayed out in the waiting room, but I remember my dad went into the appointment with me. And him, you know, bless his heart, he didn't know. Like, he, did, he didn't, this is the first time, I mean, he's sitting here with his adult son in, in a psychiatrist's office. And she's talking about medication and stuff. And my dad's saying, well, he's like, well, we don't, you know, what is, what does this do? What does that medication do? Whatever he's like, cause we don't want to lose Logan. We don't want him to just be kind of like a zombie. And she said, I remember her saying to my dad, the Logan that you think that you know is not the Logan who's sitting next to you. Yeah. So that was hard. Cause that was somebody that I didn't know who saw me, who like, she saw right through every mask I was wearing within 15 minutes because she was trained to, she knew what to look for. She knew what to like, that's why I'm such a huge proponent for like professionals because she like, I mean, she had me pegged within 15 minutes, like down to like the, you are this. And I know not everybody has that great of an experience, but like, I'm super grateful for that because not, that it's any, you know, anything negative towards my dad. She's like, the Logan that we, that is, the Logan that is trapped in there that needs to come out, he needs some help. And that's what it was, was someone telling me that I needed to hear was that I was trapped in my own head. And I think that mixed with, the conviction. I know it's, I know it's easier said than done. I can't really explain the conviction I had at that time to not leave my wife and my children alone to not cause that grief in their life. And you know me, I'm stubborn as hell. (laughs) I was like, that's it. Like, I'm not going to be at the statistic. I'm not going to be the guy. Um, and I'm not saying that this is some Cinderella story. Like in that moment, everything was fine. Like it has still been years. Um, and, and traumas and things that my wife and i are working through things that she still needs to work through on her own there are there are entire groups that are specifically meant for spouses and partners of bipolar individuals like support groups and kind of going back to the cognitive behavioral therapy the reason she suggested that was because she said medication is going to balance you and stable you, but you have got to put in the work to find out who you are and how you got this way. She said, because financial bad habits is not going to be fixed with a pill, you know, emotional, financial, you know, abuse is not going to be fixed with a pill. Yeah. You know, self-deprecating, all of these things are not, they're not going to be fixed with a pill. A pill will Mm -hmm. keep me present and on the earth. And will keep me from losing my ever-loving mind over small situations that somebody who's balanced should be able to process. So the cognitive behavioral therapy helped me figure out where my traumas were, where my triggers were, helped me understand that when I am presented with this situation, don't hide it and lie to avoid being viewed in this way. Because when you try to fix it yourself and you're not emotionally, mentally, physically able to, you're going to make it 10 times worse. By, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. Not literally, but like Yeah. You know, hey dad, I need this and this and this because this happened. When in reality of like I've been so mentally gone and depressed, I haven't made X amount of sales and I don't have enough money to pay my rent, little my little on my car payment or my health insurance. Like, you know, and I mean I, I could go down that rabbit hole forever. So it was that and and I've I have ebbed and flowed the years man like i was good for a long time and then i had some really hard really hard time period where um some people close to my life it, it, there was you know some some issues there and that sent me into a really bad tailspin um but where i would say kind of rounding that all out and not just continuing to just <laughs> kind of go down this hole um the psychiatrist that i have now that we live here in utah um I, I freaking love this guy. I, he, uh, I think he personally is on the autism spectrum and I freaking love it because he is, he is black and white, man. He just tells me, he would tell me straight as it is. He's like, Nope, that's not working. That's actually a really dumb thought. Don't think like that. <laughs> and he's like, Oh no, nice. I'm going to switch you to this medication. And he's like, I'm going to switch you to this medication. We're going to try it. And I love like, like, I've been sitting in a, in a meeting with him and he's eating a sandwich like because he's just like I'm hungry like <laughs> he's like I got to get this I'm going to help you and like I'm like dude I jive with this because like you're just getting stuff done you're helping me get stuff done um, and so he has got me I mean dude I've been on I have been on medication cocktails like you wouldn't believe like mm-hmm. this many this time of day this many that time of day bedtime this one to go to sleep this one for the anxiety this one for the depression and, and there would be times where I would run out or I would forget. And I would, you know, and then you, then you drop off and it's just, I mean, you can imagine this guy has worked with me so intensely that he, I'm on one pill a day and I am on another treatment plan that I feel the most balanced and like straight laced. I have years, And I've been this way for a few years now because of this man's help. And I think I would not be in the position that I am today without the help of the profession, not just the professionals, but I would not 100% mentally, physically, or, or literally being here on this earth if it were not for my wife. And I owe her, her literally my life because the pain and the suffering and the abuse that that woman has gone through on my behalf, because I have been sick. I, I can't pay her back. So I try, that's what I do. I try. And some days I'm, I do good. And some days I still fail and I still try. That's the most that I can do. And, um, like I said, just being respectful of, of her and her and everything that she's gone through and, you know, not sharing every intimate detail of everything. I feel bad because I feel like there are years that I've taken from her because she has been so focused on survival mode of raising our children and, and just trying to exist while I am over here, just have had times of just absolute whirlwinds and her hanging on for dear life. So I would say to anybody out there that is struggling in the slightest, like if there's someone in your life that you care about, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for them because they don't deserve their quality of life to be lessened because you are struggling. You've got to focus on yourself, but if you've committed yourself to someone else or another, you know, if you've got children, people that rely on you, you have some kind of a, you know, intimate relationship, you owe it to them to get yourself taken care of. And, um, essentially where this kind of boils down to for me. And like I said, is it's a daily constant thing, a daily constant battle. I, 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 I go through periods of time where I kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, cringe moments of like, I can't believe, you know, I did that at this stage in mm-hmm. my life. I still can't believe that I did that. And there's times where I beat myself up where I'm like, man, I'm at this stage in my life, but had I had this figured out 10 years ago, where would I be today? And I think ultimately you can't do that. Um, I think it's easier said than done. I think we all do it. You know what I mean? But yeah, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, get kind of emotional like i'm 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 good (laughs) like i'm solid in knowing that i am i'm staying there is nothing that there is nothing like i've i've fought through the demons that almost took me and i i'm never i'm never gonna leave my wife and kids in that manner yeah but i still remember the feelings
0: do you uh so it's been two years you said a few years um of you on this medication and figuring out what's going on so that, you know, you can kind of be present, like you said, and able to work through your other issues that you're talking about. Um, do you find yourself still putting on a mask? So to speak?
1: Um, yes and no. I think I, sometimes I have a healthier mask because one thing I learned, um, one thing i learned during that time period of my life was i was very vulnerable years prior um before before i was diagnosed back in 2017 and then after i was diagnosed um i was very vulnerable and would kind of overshare with certain people in my life and sometimes that would come that came back to bite me um and so I think during that time period and Robert and I have talked about this Mm -hmm. because of some of the stuff that he's dealt with, you learn that there are certain boxes that you put people in for your own mental health preservation and that there are certain people that deserve the full story. And there are some people that deserve the cliff notes version. Absolutely. So I put on a mask, I guess, in an appropriate way with some people of like not to overshare and to, I guess, boundaries. Boundaries is a better word. Um, boundaries is a healthy word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think I've, I've learned more boundaries and it took a long time. And I think that's, I think that's a maturity lesson too. Um, because you learned that just because there's a certain relationship, it doesn't mean that they're entitled to certain things. And then you come to find out there are other people in your life like you that I came across that you have pretty much learned my entire story in a year and a half that there are some people that will never know besides like my wife or maybe a handful of other people. And you're the same way. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is, is that's a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. and not a detrimental relationship, not something that you can, you know, you share with somebody uh, and, and worry that it's going to come back to bite you or be used against you, you know? And, and, uh, One of the kind of last things that I want to say is just kind of, you know, even my brother and I, we had our ups and downs through my battle. Um, We had a time period where we did not get along and now we work together, but I go back to one of the things that he'd said was that it's okay to be sick. It's okay to Mm -hmm. not be okay, but it's not okay to not take care of yourself because I don't mean to be cliche and I don't mean to get all choked up again I don't, I don't freaking care whatever your brain is saying. This world is a better place with every single freaking one of us in it. Whether you believe in this or that or creation or, or your reincarnation, I don't freaking care whatever your belief system is. You are here for one reason or another, whether it's completely random or it is of a grand design. you you have a purpose here on this life and you don't know who you can positively impact or who you can negatively impact, but it's your job to just have an impact on somebody and and just try to do the best that you can because we're all literally fighting our own battles. And that's why I say some of the stuff that I say of like, some of the things that people say to people, and I remember how I was of like, man, if I'd have heard that six years ago, I'd have lost it. Mm-hmm. So I think like re- reach out to someone. There is if it's not this person, it's the next person, like find, find somebody to talk to And if you don't have someone in your life that like I did, like I was blessed to have certain people in my life, like, especially like my wife, my father-in-law, you know, my dad, um, my brother, people who, you know, who saw that, okay, it's time to start fixing this. There are so many treatment centers. There are so many doctors. There are so many therapists. There is, there are so many professionals that And we know so much more now than we even did five years ago, six years ago when I was diagnosed. And I think this time of year, I start to kind of get this mentality because this was, this is when it was happening Mm -hmm. is I was diagnosed in October of 2017. So the end of summer, beginning of fall was like my most unhinged moment about six years ago. So that's, that's kind of why I am the way that I am. That's why I think my perspective has changed on how I see people and treat people. You know, the religion I was raised in, I I tried to look more at the person than I do through like whatever goggles I was, you know, you know, I had of my beliefs or, or my standards or whatever. So I think everyone deserves a chance in life to be heard and everyone deserves a chance to live, you know,
0: well, if, uh, one thing I do know about you is you have a crazy amount of empathy um, and uh, you try to understand everyone before you say anything, which is a really good skill to have. And uh, I appreciate you always listening to me because um, my life is uh, chaotic right now and you uh, you allow me just to, I don't even know if I vent very much. Well, I vent, but I mean more of a, uh, some things really stress me out and you're able to listen yeah. and, and, uh it's definitely a skill set that you have and I appreciate you. And you're, like I said, I wish I could speak like you because you have such a way of words that just help motivate and inspire (laughs) everyone. So thank you for sharing today. And, and just know that uh, if no one else is listening, you affected me today and I learned a lot. So I appreciate you.
1: Well, I appreciate you too, man. And I appreciate you saying that because that was one thing that I really lacked for years was empathy because that's, I mean, that's another sign of bipolar. You don't, you don't have the ability to care about anybody else. Hmm. Like it's it, it, like I said, it, it it erodes your interpersonal relationships. Like it, that's why it causes divorce. Yeah. That's why people, that's why, that's why people who are bipolar end up committing suicide because they have nobody left sometimes because they literally ruin their own relationships. And so I was ruining my own reputation, man. Like I came from, I came from a family that had a long relation, like a long reputation on my mom's side and my dad's side. And, and I was always a good kid, like growing up, like I was viewed as a good kid. And, and then I just started making, you know, I remember feeling so freaking terrible because I was like, I am not the man that I promised my father-in-law I was going to be for his daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember feeling, and, and that's a whole nother story, man. Like that man has been so supportive. I mean, to have a, have a guy marry his daughter, and put her through what I've put her through. And him still being like, he's he's probably one of my best friends too. I talk to that guy more like a friend than I do my father-in-law. And every time I see that guy, every time I talk to that guy, how you doing, man? He's like, are you okay? Like, what can I do for you? So, my point being is like, find your people. And learning empathy has been a hard, a big hard lesson for me, like learning how to be empathetic and like finding the right medication and the right doctor to allow those empathetic feelings to exist. Like it's almost kind of like the Adderall helped me like, Oh my gosh, this is how people focus. But like my current treatment plan is kind of like, what is this new emotion? Like, what is like, like learning empathy is like a 33 year old, like, you know, 30, 31, 32, 33 year old man. And like feeling other people's emotions. Like I I I can, I still have a lot to learn about it because there's still times where I am not as super empathetic to my wife, to my children, to people I work with. And I, I still have my limits, but so I, I appreciate you saying that, but it's a daily battle. Well, man. that's like it's, just
0: like you said, um, I will never, um, compare myself to you or anything like that, but I will say that I don't have bipolar. I'm not bipolar, uh, at all. Um, at least not yeah. that I'm aware of. But I do suffer from anxiety and depression, and uh, sometimes it's crippling. Um, and, oh, yeah. Uh, I, have, uh, I went and saw the therapist the very first day. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I know exactly what's wrong.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> and he's, <laughs> like,
0: he's like, you have codependence disorder. Something happened when I was a child that uh, made me uh, have to uh, work really hard to gain acceptance from people. So was, the harder I worked, the more like, oh, you're su- doing such a good job. So i, I that's how I felt loved and i so i just and yeah. so like people pleasing all that kind of stuff and i felt everyone's emotions and and uh if i felt like i like offended someone even if not on purpose it would affect me and it still oh, yeah. does sometimes and uh it got to the point where you know i'm like i'm miserable i got to go see someone and uh therapy has changed my life um well, and yeah uh, that's what i'm saying even the way you and i communicate is a lot different than how i would have communicated before therapy
1: Well, that's good, man. I mean, and that's what I'm saying is like, I wish I could convey to people like how it feels to like recognize a difference in yourself when you're like, whoa, I did not see it from this perspective. Mm Because it's it's really hard to be self-aware. Like being self-aware is, is something that like people will say like, oh, I'm super self-aware when they means that like, you're just more aware of how you are in public or maybe you don't, you know, there's some people that don't have as much common sense, right? And we're like, oh, the person who's got their cart in the middle of the aisle at Walmart, they're not very self-aware. Like, no, I'm talking about like how you're like, how you come off. In the sense of, like, in a healthy manner, like how you treat people, how you talk to people, how you treat yourself, how you, what's your reputation? Are you the same guy when nobody's around, is or, or you know, you, as when you're with around a bunch of other people? So, um, it's amazing what you will find out about yourself when you talk to the right person, mm-hmm. and I mean professional, whether it's a therapist, a doctor, or a psychiatrist. Um, and my 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 whole thing is. There are certain instances where certain people might be a little bit too far gone, not too far gone that you're broken, you're lost cause too far gone that you can fix it on your own, that you might need to go to an institution, a facility, a care center. And that is 100%. And I'm going to say this very clearly. That is 100%. Okay. And if anybody disagrees with you, tell them to call me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like it's, it's it, it, it it's like there is anybody who is trying to better themselves in one way or another. I, I applaud you 10 times over because being self-aware enough to realize I have got this going on. It does not seem okay. I have got to find a way to fix it. You are light years ahead of a lot of other people on this planet because so many people are like, I'm fine. Or they know they're not fine and they refuse to get help. So, I try to empathize with people because I refused to get help or think that. I mean, like I said, dude, I was chased by a demon, quote unquote, for years, years. And I thought it was like, oh, I'm, yeah. It just makes me, it just makes me, gives me the freaking
0: chills. Yeah. So, I think the moral of this podcast, uh, I would have to say is make sure, you know, be self aware. Figure out what, uh, you know, what's not, I don't even want to use the word normal because we're normal. We're just suffering through an illness. And so just know, just, you know, be self-aware. Realize that, hey, we're all going through something. Is this something that I need to take care of with a professional? Um, If you're thinking of harming yourself or harming someone else or anything like that, you need to go see someone. And I mean, you talking to Logan or talking to me that's only going to help you to one point. I mean, we're, you, I mean, talking to a professional is so vital. Um, And uh, I think that is something that we really need to stress and not be embarrassed of. And then also just, you know, love the ones around you. What do you think? I would
1: say I, one, one thing that really, really irks me is we've all known celebrities that have, that have ended their own life. And sometimes we talked about this. We talked like Robin Williams. No one saw that coming. Um, and unfortunately, there is a lot of people. That, it happens every single day to normal, quote unquote, normal people. Just like I mm-hmm. uh, see people who had no idea, or even people that you know, you people even saw it coming. The thing is, is, and I, I will, I will say this time red in the face. It is not the easy way out. People who say that. Like you, you, I have, I've got words for, for people who think that they think that it's an easy way out. Um, it's not, uh, you can, you can read stories, um, manuscripts, books, you know, Ted talks of people who have attempted it and thankfully failed and have had a second chance to live. And they will all tell you that they are so glad they failed. Um, because in that moment, so where, where it boils down to is, Nothing is so bad in this life that is worth you leaving it on your own. So, message me, message Tyson, you know, we'll uh, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, there's doctors. I mean, call the ER, call the ER, call 911. If you are feeling like that, call 911. They are equipped to send someone out to help you to bring yourself into just stabilize you because you are worth you're worth you're worth every breath that you take, you're worth every interaction of anybody you come across. So I don't mean this, I don't mean to say this and not sound like it's genuine, but I genuinely care for and love everybody that I come in contact with because I even the ones that I don't like. <laughs> you can love someone and not like them because you don't know what someone's going through, you don't know what battles they have fought and I wish everybody honestly the best. So It's just like uh, one song that really did it for me was this Rascal Flat song about somebody who committed suicide. Um, Don't leave the stage in the middle of your song. So I know it's kind of cliche and kind of corny, but don't leave the stage in the middle of your song. This life is so much more worth living and there are professionals and, and people who can help. So thank you guys for giving me a platform to talk about this. I think that it is so necessary for men and women to talk about this because it goes so unheard and so silenced and it's, it's, it's used to be looked upon as shameful, but it's, it is so strong in my mind to talk about your problems and find help.
0: A hundred percent. So this is a great uh, time to just tell everyone, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for uh, allowing us to uh, you know, share our thoughts with you. Um, make sure to give us a like. And, uh, you know, and if you have uh, the opportunity, give us a good uh, review. Appreciate you guys listening and uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening, guys. It means the world to us. If you have a chance, please give us a five-star review as well as write something a little purdy in there so that we know that you know that we know that you care. Anyway, have a great day. I like that. You can't redo it without laughing. That was good.